Welcome to the latest word from the church at Severn Run. Our church is located in Severn, Maryland, and is easily accessible from anywhere in the D.C. Baltimore area. You can subscribe for regular updates or check in weekly for the latest information by using our website, severinrun.com. Thank you for visiting. And now, today's message. Well, last week we talked about the imagination, and we talked about the story about a man who imagined a better life, a life without leprosy, and of another man who imagined an event that had never happened before in all of human history, and that is that his servant would be healed um, just from a distance, just because there was a word spoken. I pray that you can imagine uh, your father's love and that you can imagine God doing amazing new things in your life um, this month and in 2016 in the year to come. God is good. Some of you I caught off guard. God is good. And all the time, he, he really, really is. And the truth is that God is good even in the things that we don't understand. And it's been my experience with Jesus that there's a whole lot of what he does that, that I don't understand. I don't want to ever come across to you as one of those God experts um, because there are none. Um, the truth is that Jesus is full of surprises. The truth is that Jesus is always really um, just confounding uh, me and taking left turns when I thought he was going to go right and, and going straight when I thought he was circling back. And, and the key to finding out where Jesus is is to listening deep. So that's what I want us to do this morning, to listen deep, um, to open the Word of God. And if you don't have a Bible with you today, uh, please know that the Scripture is in your worship notes. You can find it there. And would encourage you to take the worship notes with you and to, um, to use them to, through the week in your quiet times. What's a quiet time? That's when you open your Bible uh, every day and just set aside some time to, to read and to listen for God's voice and then, and then pray back to Him what you heard. So in Matthew chapter 8, um, verses 14 through 22, we see Jesus out on the road again, never staying in one place long, always going out to broken people to bring the heart of God. And verse 14 says, when Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her. Can you imagine being there? Nobody asked Jesus to do this. Uh, he just walks into the house. Um, he sees uh, Peter's mother-in-law not feeling well. It's not critical. She doesn't appear to be dying. But Jesus, out of compassion, just walks over. Doesn't make a big deal of it, call attention, and touches her hand. And in that moment, everything changes for her. She gets up, and she begins to wait on him. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. When I was in uh, uh, you know, seminary, um, I was told at one point, you know, well, this really is not what literally happened because... You know, there really aren't people who are afflicted by the demonic. This was just a case of, of uh, you know, primitive minds not understanding medicine. And I would say, what if? 
What if it's not that simple? What if it's a little more complicated? What if there are intelligences in the world um, that have the ability to exist without a body? And what if they are working against God? And what if these beings are, are again, intelligence? That's one of the Old Testament Hebrew names for demons. What if they are, they are very intelligent? They have personality. What if there is alignment organization? Um, what if they are working against the heart of God in creation? What if they don't like God? What if they hate all that he's done and want to tear down all that he's created? What if it's a little more complicated? I don't know what happened when Jesus touched the woman's hand. Um, I don't understand the biology of it, whether she had a, a bacterial infection or a viral infection. I don't know what happened at a cellular level when, when the power of Jesus' touch changed. Um, you know, her, her experience did, did the... The bacteria immediately just, you know, die. Did the viruses? Just, I, I don't know. But I know that Jesus is the author and the creator of life. And I know that there is a power in this world that is anti-life. There is a power in this world that feeds on your misery, your despair. There is, just like in you, 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 you and I both know that, that there are two voices in our heads, Right? Um, there's this one voice that, that speaks truth and life and there's this other voice that, um, that, that leads you into to directions that you know are wrong and, and we listen anyway. Jesus, he drives out all of that. All the insanity of hell disguised, all the brokenness of earth apart from God. Jesus heals it all. And he did this, the scripture says, to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and carried our diseases. And we're going to come back to that in just a moment. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross the other side of the lake. There were more broken people that needed the healing of God, the, the healing of, of hearts. And then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, uh, I will follow you wherever you go. Wow, this was, this was a win. This was the enemy coming over to the, to, to the side of good. This was the, the establishment, you know, the, the Pharisees um, seeing the light. And so you'd think Jesus would have some kind of high five sort of a comment for the guy. But instead he says something about the cost of following him. And he says, foxes have holes and birds of the air uh, have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. You see, people were always following Jesus for the wrong reasons. They were always following Jesus um, to get something from him. And Jesus wanted us to follow him for the right reasons. One, one day, Jesus had fed 5,000, and then he left and went on the other side, and people came after him, and they asked him uh, a question that wasn't the question, said, Jesus, how did you get here? And Jesus said, you follow me because you had your fill of bread. In other words, you don't have your heart set on, on anything that's real and eternal. You just, want, you just want your flesh fed. So Jesus tells this guy who would come after him, hey, there's a cost to this thing, and it may not be as attractive as you think. Another disciple came to him and said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Now, let's take a vote, right? Um, how many of you all think that's a good thing? Your father dies, and you as a son or daughter participate in the burial and the arrangements. All in favor, say aye. aye. All opposed, same sign. 
and the eyes have it. Can you imagine not showing up for your dad's funeral? Mom dies and you say, oh, can't be there. What? Jesus, what are you saying here? And, and Jesus says something to this guy that, that, again, is kind of offensive. Lord, first let me um, go bury my father. But Jesus told him, you follow me. Well, that's what I'm trying to do, Jesus. I just told you that I'm going to follow you. I just told you my whole life is yours, but first. And what Jesus says in a way that sounds very harsh, but is communicating high cost, is there is no but first. There's only me. Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Guys, what I want to tell you this morning, uh, before you can understand the call of God on your life, is you have to understand the, the love of Jesus. You have to understand the cost of the call. You have to understand where that call is coming from. Before you'll ever be able to answer and say yes to Jesus, you have to understand who he was, is, and what he did, and what it cost him. And the reality is that a love that, that cost everything changed everything. This love of Jesus cost God everything there was. And somehow this Christmas season, as we talk about um, the, the, the babe born in Bethlehem and, and we talk about angels announcing the, the birth of Messiah and shepherds in their field abiding by night and, and magi coming from the east because they saw the star and all of the beauty and all of the, the miracle of, and the hope of this story, somehow, some way in Matthew 27, 38, we get to this point. Two robbers were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. How did it ever get to this? How did love get so far from this storybook beginning to this ugly, gritty, brutal end? Well, the simple truth is that a, that a love that cost everything changed everything in surprising ways. You see, the story of the cross is a story told long before its time. When Jesus walks into the house, he, he shows in large and small ways that, that everything changes in his presence. Through his life, there is new possibilities. And let me just tell you, I don't care what anybody else says. I mean, I, I, I really don't. Anybody who tells you that physical healing is the point of Jesus' life is just missing the cross and the power of the resurrection. Everybody ever healed died. I'd call that a very temporary win, would you? You know, if I have a choice between being healed and living five more years or, or being healed in my heart and soul and living five billion times five billion years, I'm going for that one. It's B for me all day, right? And so when the scripture says that he bore our, our um, carried, took up our infirmities and carried our diseases, it's talking about something so much more that is symbolized in the healing of physical health, but it is so much more. It is, it is about our souls, it is about our lives, it is about our eternal destinies. And the truth is that what Jesus did on the cross was, a, was, was love on a collision course with life long before you were ever, ever born. And the simple truth is that, that God has loved you from everlasting past. And he has imagined your life. He created it out of his imagination. And the truth is that, that God is, 
is working to reveal himself to you. He's speaking to your life. Pastor Drew, he's not speaking to me. Yes, he is. The question is, are you listening? You see, God has been telegraphing his every move uh, for, for ages. And, and this passage that, that tells us he bore our, took up our infirmities and bore our diseases, it is from Isaiah 53. And, and, and it is a story of Jesus told. It is a story of, of a love that cost God everything. And so the only way we're ever going to be able to understand what Jesus asks from us is to understand what he gave for us. Isaiah 53 says, Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. There's no Hollywood in Jesus. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Women, you didn't swoon over how he looked. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows, familiar with suffering. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities. He carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten and afflicted. And here is the cross foretold a, a, a thousand years. But he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wound we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. This Christmas season, I want to remind you again that, that something has happened on planet Earth that has changed everything. And it was the love of Jesus that cost God everything, everything, everything that he had. That, that love has changed everything on planet Earth. Some people live ignoring it. Some people in their imaginations are pursuing, you know, other faiths. But the truth is that, that everything on planet Earth has changed. The foundational axis of life on our, our, our planet shifted when, when the Messiah was born and when he was crucified and rose again. You see, only a love without limits can blow the limits off your life. Some of you here today are stuck in some bad places. You're stuck in some, some lifeless and lightless places. Your marriages feel like there is, there is no air in, in the room anywhere. But our God loves you. And he is so passionate about you and he cares about you so deeply that, that he truly wants to blow every limit off your life. The chains that you're wearing, no, those have been taken care of. The sadness that you're feeling, it's been answered. The anger and the rage that are inside of you from the woundedness of your past, the, that, that sexual abuse that just won't go away, that's never been acknowledged, Jesus can take care of that. In fact, he already has. And he didn't take care of it with, with a small little, you know, piddling answer. He gave his life. He poured out his love. Only a love that costs everything can change everything. But thank God we have that kind of a love. 1 John 4.10 says, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent us his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. <laughs> and so from the small things of, of, you know, symbolized in the healing of, of Peter's mother-in-law to the recreation of the universe, a love that cost everything has changed everything. I love 
the heart of God to make things new. And the scripture says in Revelation 21.1, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first had passed away. You and I live in an earth that God imagined and created out of, out of his, his joy. But in our sin, we rebelled and we chose independence. We chose our own will over the will of the Father. And in that moment, everything was shattered. The glass was broken. The, the foundation was cracked. Um, deafness reigned. Blindness entered our lives. Everything was torn apart in, in the human world. God said, I will not give up. I will not let it go. I will pay every, any cost to redeem it, to buy it back, to make things right again. And that's what God's here to do for your life this morning. You've been loved with a love that is bigger than your life. You've been loved with a love that was bigger than God's life. And it's enough to change everything. Behold, I make all things new. <laughs> I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, that is to the person who's willing to acknowledge their need, who's willing to, to acknowledge the pain of being dependent, to the person who will give up the, the fig leaf of self-sufficiency, to that person, I'll give the water of life. And I'll make everything right again. And everything that you're longing for in your heart of hearts, the end to the, the loneliness, the end to the alienation, the love that, that you just can't seem to find, I'm making everything new again. God's love has changed everything. I pray today that you and I aren't blind to it. I pray today that you and I can see the power of a love that costs everything to change everything in big and small ways. And I pray most of all that as we grow to be a church of 5,000 disciples, that we're not a, a, a church of 5,000 religious people saved to sit, but that we are out in a broken world as broken people making friends for Jesus, showing grace, living generosity, touching lives that, that nobody else even notices, and bringing the healing of heaven into a broken world one broken life at a time. You have no idea what a difference you can make in this planet if you'll only get over yourself and answer the call of God. If you and I were only free of ourselves and our own concern and able to see the needs of others and to let Jesus pour himself out through us in creative ways, we would change this world. Let me show you one very simple <laughs> way that, uh, that a church changed uh, a guy's life. And, and the truth is, the opportunities around us are endless if we'll just get out on the road and, and live love. So there is a love alive in the world that changes everything because it costs everything. Some people have gotten it and they're letting God use their lives to, to make a difference. But, but especially in America, America is a nation that is increasingly going to sleep America is a nation that has increasingly uh, gotten so deaf and blind to the speech and the work of God. But we as the church of the living God are called to be salt and light. We are called to give our lives away. The truth is the church has not answered the call of God. It has been timid. It has been fearful. It has been self-centered. It has been a consumeristic church. 
What's in it for us? That was never the truth in the book of Acts. And it was never the truth in the original 12. These were men who saw in Jesus the very voice of God and gave their all to answer God's call. So in the first part of this passage, this simple exercise with Jesus walking in, we see Jesus changing life because he was a love that, that cost everything. And, and now we see people coming up and saying, oh yeah, Jesus, I'll follow you. And then Jesus begins to say, but you don't understand how much it's going to cost. It's going to cost you everything. You're, you're going you're to have to, to allow no lesser loves to come in the way. And the simple truth is that to understand the call of God, you have to believe in the love of God and you have to get a sense of the scope of the cost for God before you'll ever be willing to pay the cost in your own life. I imagine a church that is unafraid to answer the call of God in the United States of America in our time. I imagine a church that is living radical for Jesus and broken open so that the Spirit of God can pour out through us. I imagine a group of imperfect, uh, on-the-way people who are going out of their way to be used of God, to love well, and to help people who have no hope see hope, to be the love of God in a broken world. That's our call. But we'll never answer that call if we're going to play it safe, you know, dial it back and not give God everything. The truth is the will to lose everything begins everything. That's where everything begins. It just does. A little girl, when I was uh, in 11th grade, I, I worked as a, a janitor full-time. You know, I, I, I got out of school early and I, and I went to work for eight hours a day um, being a minister of maintenance. You know, you can change anything with a title. One summer we were short of, uh, of adult sponsors for our kids, so uh, the children's minister asked if maybe I would be willing to go to kids camp and be a counselor, and I said, sure, I have no idea what I'm doing, but yes, I'm there. So off I go as a 17-year-old, you know, um, guiding the spiritual destinies of your children. Oh my gosh, you know. One night at, a, at our, our Falls Creek camp, um, there was an altar call given to, to accept Jesus. And this little girl came up, and I can kind of remember trying to dodge people, you know, kind of looking down, you know, like not really wanting to make eye contact, because I know nothing, you know, I, I mean, I've, I've become a believer of Jesus, but, but I'm new. And she makes a beeline for me, and she, she's just this sweet little thing, you know, that I could just see, like, there's God all over this girl, you know, and I'm looking for some adult to hand her off to, and she's making a beeline for me, and I can't dodge her, you know, it's like, you know, it's, here she comes, and... And, but as she gets closer, I see that she's got tears in her eyes. And, and she just stumbles out. She says, I, I, I just don't know if I have enough faith to believe. And I'm going, oh my gosh, you know, you know. And, and she's literally just crying and crying and crying. How do I know if I, I have enough faith? And, 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 and I want to go to heaven, but how do I know? And, and I just, oh, here's what I do, um, Here's the, I want to kind of give you, pull the curtain back and show you the, the level of sophistication in my prayer life. Here's what it sounded like at that time. God, help! And I prayed, and it was like 30 seconds, I'm going, God, I have no answer to give to this girl. I don't want to mess her up spiritually. I don't want her to go to hell because I didn't answer, and I, I messed her up, and God, please speak. And, 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 and I just literally just, you know, seriously just said, God, I really got nothing. You know, what would you say to your daughter? And the Spirit just whispered, all he wants is all you've got. 
So I said, you know what, that sounds good. Um, <laughs> you know? And, and I looked at her and I said, all he wants is, is all you've got. And immediately her little face changed, her countenance changed because that made sense. And whether she had a little or a lot, she could give it all. You see, the will to lose everything begins everything. And what Jesus is saying to this Pharisee who would come after him is, is saying, look, you don't understand that, that I'm not offering you uh, a step up in your ministerial career. I've got nothing in this world that this world wants. Uh, I'm, I'm offering a kingdom. Do you really want my kingdom? To the man who made a reasonable request, hey, Jesus, let me come after. Jesus says, nothing, nothing comes after me. I am the Alpha and the Omega. Nothing comes before me. You put me first. You follow me first in a way that seems totally unreasonable to you, but you do it, and then, and then you'll understand. A love that cost everything has changed everything and only the will to lose everything begins everything. And the trouble with many of us here is we have never had the will to lose everything for Jesus. We want to partially halfway do this. We want to give God a little bit. If he'll keep our lifestyle the same, if he'll, if he'll let us have what we want, if, if he'll be the icing on our cake, if he'll let us be Christian consumers, then we'll go with God. But if God says, I want everything, if God says, I'm going to change your life, if God says, I'm going to redirect your life, we don't want that. And what we get is this soul-sucking, heart-deadening religion. And, and, and out, out of our, 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 our church experience over time, we, we just die inside because we're not out in a broken world giving ourselves away. We're not living Jesus. We're not loving well. We're not believing big for anything in our lives. All we're doing is being religious and trying to use God to get us a better life here on planet Earth. Well, that's garbage. It's not gospel. You got to give everything. And Jesus is offensive. I mean, he just is because he will not allow anything to come before him. And if you want something more, if you want something authentic in your life, you have to come to the place where you are willing to lose everything. I haven't told this story. I don't know if I've really ever told it before, but this was probably one of the most profound experiences, the turning point in, in my, 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 my spiritual journey. Uh, I was young, probably in eighth grade, and just really struggling on my own. I was just a lonely nobody kid that really nobody was paying attention to. And, and, and yet, God had some people who'd given their all, and, and these Christians were sharing the story of Jesus with me. And I hated it, and I loved it, and I wanted it, and I didn't, and it made sense, and it was crazy, and I began reading Scripture. And that day, um, I had read the scripture of what Jesus has said in John 14, 26. And, and, he, and he said this, um, large crowds were traveling with Jesus and, and you can't follow him in a crowd comfortably. He, he begins to cast out the cost of the call and he says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and his children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, if anyone does not pick up their cross and come after me, you can't be my disciple. My parents were getting a divorce and I was even torn there because it's like I, you know, I didn't want the life that I had. I didn't want the marriage my parents had and I didn't necessarily, you know, wasn't one of those kids just saying, I hope dad stays around because dad staying around as he was, a, an angry drunk was not a, a happy thing. So, I mean, there just wasn't really any thought of any directions. Like, I don't know what, but 
But Jesus, I love my mom and dad. They're all I've got in this world. You want me to hate them? I'm telling you, there was an epic, eternal, cosmic struggle in my heart that night as I lay in bed. It was about midnight. I can remember exactly where I was and the house where we lived. I can remember the moment. I can remember it sounds funny and it, and, and it wasn't like, you know, you know, movie CG graphics. But I'm just telling you, it was like the room was filled with light. And, and Jesus was there saying, I want you to hate your mother and father and come after me. And I remember saying, I can't do that. That's not reasonable. It doesn't make sense. It's, I can't do that. And, and this epic struggle, I really felt more strong than I ever have in, in my life. It was almost like God pulling on me saying, I want you to give up everything that you know, your only point of security, your mom and dad, I want you to give them up. I want you to hate them and, and come after me. And I, again, I argued, I struggled, I cried. And, and I, I can remember getting loud and saying, no, it's not fair. I can't. They're all I've got. And I can remember the, the, the room dimming, literally, the room dimmed, and it was as though God were receding and pulling away and letting me have what I want. Can I say to you, the worst thing that can ever happen in your life is not cancer, it's not bankruptcy, it's not what you've imagined, it's you getting your will. That's the worst. At that moment, something broke in my life, just like in that little girl's heart. And I said, I don't understand it. I don't like it. It makes no sense to me. But if you say that I have to do this to have you, Jesus, then okay. I'll hate my mom, and I'll hate my dad, and I'll follow you. What happened next was one of the most amazing experiences in my life. It was like the room again flooded with light and my heart flooded with more love for my mom and my dad that I had ever known before. Jesus was waiting to see if he could begin his work in my life if I was willing to lose everything like, like he did. Guys, I want to remind you in a, in a world of cheap grace, in a, in a culture of, of everybody's a Christian, there's a high, high cost to following Jesus. And the truth is that to share in the life Jesus gives is to share in the life that Jesus gives up. Jesus gave up his life, and you and I have to as well. And love only comes to life when we want Jesus more than anything else in the world, more than anything else in the world, more than any anything else or anyone else in the world. And love will never come to your life. Your faith will never come alive. This will never be real. It will be soul-sucking religion to you until it comes to the place of all. And sometimes Jesus will actually require you to give all. Sometimes he just requires you to be willing. But I want to ask you in the name of Jesus... Would you be willing to give your all to follow Christ? Would you be willing to lose everything and in that surrender, in this moment, to allow everything new to begin? 
to allow the Alpha and the Omega to begin to recreate a new world in your world, a new heart in your life, a new future ahead of you, uh, a, a new purpose, a new significance, um, a, a, new, a new life. Nothing less than all is enough. Jesus, he couldn't die partially. He, he couldn't suffer just a little. It had to be all. And you and me, we can't follow just a little. We can't be obedient uh, in some areas and, and disobey in others. We, we can't love the Lord our God on Sundays and, and, and love our party on Saturdays. We, we can't love sex more than we love a Savior. We, we have to love him more than, before then, above everything and everyone else. So here's the turnaround challenge. Let no lesser love rule your life. I want you just to say it with me. No lesser love. No lesser love. Only one. And to be willing to pay any price, to suffer any loss, to give up anything or anyone that stands in the way of following Jesus' love into everlasting life. That's the line Jesus, not me, is asking you to cross today. Will you do that? Will you stand with me? Your homework this week is to pick one thing that competes with Jesus and give it up. One thing, maybe something small, maybe something big. It may be something tiny like chocolate. It may be something big like the person you're living with. I don't know. But I'm asking you to take the challenge. And if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then today is the day that everything changes. Maybe you've been religious. Maybe you've been Baptist, Catholic, whatever. But you have never, ever, ever understood that a love that only a love that cost everything changed everything. And, and, and that God has been calling you to lose, to give it, give it all up. Today's your day. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for just a second. And then after that, we're going to ask you to, to respond as God would have you to with the, the altar here being open, the stations being open, the cross being available for you to, to declare your commitment in. But if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if it's just been religion before this time, then I'm going to ask you to let everything begin right here, right now with, a, with a, an all he wants is all you've got prayer like this. So will you bow your head and will you pray with me? And if today's your day of beginning and your day of surrender, then pray this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you freely to come into my life. I give you control of my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I accept the free gift of eternal life. And commit my whole life to you in return. Jesus, thank you for saving me. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you prayed that prayer this morning, would you just lift your hand? Just lift it up. Lift it up. All right. 
I'm going to ask you um, that you uh, that you would act on this decision, that you would let that be known in the card that's on the seat, that you would just check the box that, that, that lets us know that you today made this decision and let us come around beside you. You can put your hands down. If you're here today and you've heard the call of God on your life and you know that you've been penny anning this thing, you know that you haven't been willing to give all, and today you're willing to pay any price to, to be a disciple of Jesus, you're not going to let cost be an issue in light of the love that cost everything. Would you lift your hand and just say, today, today I'm willing to give God my all. Today I'm willing to live with no lesser loves. Thank you for joining us today at the church at Severn Run. Please visit our website at severnrun.com for church service information, staff directories, or for prayer requests. And if you're in the D.C. Baltimore area, we'd love to have you join us at 8187 Telegraph Road in Severn, Maryland. We look forward to worshiping with you.